This episode of Blue Church Breakaway is brought to you by you, the listener of patreon.com slash Blue Church Breakaway, where you can support Greg and I's dumbass. Today's episode, Greg makes a lot of fun of me for dumb fantasy reasons, and he absolutely crushes my soul. I hated doing this podcast. Then our friend Jesse Marshall joins us from The Athletic to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and what big moves they might make this offseason. Will Malkin become our New York Ranger? Will Mark Sullivan get fired? He will not. Friedman already blew that up for me. Thanks, Friedman. Really appreciate it. And uh, we talked some things about the New York Rangers and the Avalanche, of course. Uh, is it a problem having too many skill players? Let's find out, shall we? Here's Mark Messier and then Greg absolutely destroying me this entire podcast. Transition. Well, wrong segment. Whatever. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Boosters Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of Boosters Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of Patreon.com slash Boosters Breakaway. Gregory is also with me, my co-host, Gregory Kaplan, also Patreon.com slash Boosters Breakaway. Surprise, Gregory, say hello. Let's try that again. Here we go. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway. Respect welcome to respect another episode. I am your host, yes. Greg Kaplan. This uh-huh. is my co-host, yes. my little bitch, oh, my son, <laughs> Ryan Mead. <laughs> Ryan, three weeks ago, I came on this podcast after the Tampa Bay Rays had embarrassed the New York and, Nets. And, and what did games. you say? You said, please respect my time and my privacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're, you had a chance. You didn't take it. You asked There's me as a friend. You podcast. said, please respect my time and privacy. Please do not say that. And I said, I, as a friend, I, I respect you. Okay. Well, if uh, I, you, <laughs> considering that I had nine more victories than those victories that we are talking about. For people about, that don't know I what I'm talking choose... about, Greg and I are oh, in they a know, Ryan. very they know. serious dynasty league that we've been doing it for over 10 years. Greg's team is rebuilding. On paper, my team is good, and Greg swept me. I'm very upset. I care about it more than most everything that's not the Rangers. Uh, I host a podcast about it to 10 people. No one cares about our fantasy teams. It ruined my Memorial Day weekend more than the rain did. There you go. <laughs> Made mine. Uh, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I, have not, I have nothing else to say. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't I even watch the video. Friends. I know you posted a video on Twitter. I've been off Twitter all weekend up until like five minutes ago. Uh-huh. Just, you know, refreshing. I saw you posted a video and tagged me. And I was like, I just can't watch this. And I will watch it yep. later tonight. I'm sure it's bad. Uh, it's, in, it, it, it's in the Slack. It's everywhere. That I, video yeah, is I, trust everywhere. Trust me. I saw. <laughs> Listen, I, I had a lovely weekend, yeah. even with the shitty weather, with lovely people, lovely drinks, yep. lovely substances, lovely everything. Yep. yep. Sweeping your ass, cherry, cherry above it all. Oh, my God. It's the worst. It feels so freaking bad. Okay. Um, hey, you, you can thank your friend, my nemesis, Mike Rock, for allowing me to feel the lineup that swept you. Yes, Oh, God, I'm sick to my stomach. All right, no one cares about this. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Just saying, remember, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him. Okay. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm on slump. Uh, I know, yeah, that's all right. For everyone that's, yeah. again, wondering, that's the podcast I host for 10 people. So Greg and I will be doing yeah. a podcast for 10 people this week. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, good times. Turns out, mm. Greg, and uh, there's not too much Ranger news to talk about. We'll get to uh, some of the tidbits that have come here or there, unless you have something pressing you'd like to go for, but... My number one topic, and I guess this is uh, pretty obvious, is if you have a lot of good players on your team, you probably don't need grit. Uh, tell that to your fantasy team, buddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> my, team's just, my team's just 22 players that are full of grit. Just guys getting out there, next man up mentality, and that's, uh, that's what they did. 
In, in oh, this, yeah. oh my god, I'm so I'm so flustered. It's hard for me to keep doing this freaking show. <laughs> I swear to you, like I know it's hard to like piss me off. It really is. Like you've known me forever. It's hard to get under my skin. I think uh-huh. I things brush me off pretty easily. This sure. one is just killing me. It's fucking killing me. I hate you so much. <laughs> you want me to send when you let me know when you want me to mail you the Nico Goodrum jersey that I I have with your name on it. Oh, because this is the worst podcast I've ever done. Um, yeah. So the not Avalanche... a single quality start from you. This <laughs> Four seconds of podcast. I wanted to. I, uh, oh, God. Oh, Blake Zell is terrible. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's your man's. Yeah. He's your man's. Whatever. He can't pitch. Yeah, he's no, he's no league. If only you had Lucas Giolito and Fernando Tatis. I yeah, it's a real shame I traded them to you. I hate myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, now that we've clarified. Oh, so you want to you 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 talk about the avalanche, essentially, is what you're getting at here? Yeah. I mean, I was going to go to a little bit of Ryan Reeves, who was rumored at least and things I heard in the backroom dealings that the Rangers would take a look at this offseason I have a feeling that might be out the window now or maybe not whatsoever who knows it well that was just a good clean scrum there Ryan we've been told that scrums even if they ended an injury it's no big deal dude he like puts his knee on his head (laughs) after he chokes him out and tackles him to the ground it's like what are we doing I mean that's a good question right there uh yeah I don't do the Avalanche not, I, not have someone like Ryan Reeves to prevent this from happening? What am I missing? <laughs> They're up. It's not this even is, like this, this game this is close. Is, what are we doing? This is, what, this is what it always comes down to, which is when we had John Scott on this podcast, I disagreed with him when he said it makes a difference when you have these guys in your lineup. It's not even the, – the Avalanche understand that they don't need – a. there is no deterrent that would exist to prevent Ryan Reeves from doing that. The only deterrent – the would be the, is the Golden Knights winning? He's suspended. <laughs> no, I don't. But Kadri isn't the deterrent. It Reeves only does that shit because his team's getting lambasted. If that's a one-goal game, Ryan Reeves never does that. And if the Golden Knights are winning, Ryan Reeves never does that. So is the deterrent that the Avalanche just have to be less good? They they can't afford to be up five, six goals in a playoff game? God damn, they're good. That, that, that That's... It's, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like if if the Colorado Avalanche had a different player on the roster that that wouldn't have happened. That still would have happened because the Golden Knights were embarrassed. And when you embarrass a child, the child wants to lash out. And that's what happened. Ryan Reeves acted like a giant baby that doesn't understand sometimes the limits of his own strength. And he took out, a, literally took out a hockey player. Former Ranger, yep. I don't understand. I don't understand why the NHL tolerates it. I don't understand why the Golden Knights tolerate it. Yep. I don't understand why the Colorado Avalanche would tolerate it and want someone like that on their team. That's not entertaining. Who's entertained by that? You know, it's funny. All it's going to do is make the series worse from here on out. I was kind of okay with the Ryan Reeves possibility of obtaining someone like that. On the fourth line minutes, like, he's shown to be metrical. Like, his analytics show he's okay defensively, and that's kind of what you ask for for a fourth line, like, kind of grit player, I guess, in that way. And the more I see stuff like this, I just I, – I really do hope that Drury and the way he's leaning is what we kind of discussed, that, that top six toughness rather than that, that grit toughness that, of what a Ryan Reeves would be in this case. Because I just don't know if I can watch something like that from my squad, like – Okay, the Tom Wilson stuff is we, we I don't want to re recap everything we talked with Tom Wilson, but it was a disaster, just a quote unquote normal scrum. And Ryan, Ryan Reeves is someone I think like 
I saw the quotes about him, like, oh, he plays the game clean and all that stuff. But even you even heard when John Scott was on here, he he likes the way Ryan Reeves plays the game and all that stuff. But that's an embarrassment. Like that's we're talking about a team in the Avalanche that absolutely crushed probably the second or third best team in the league in the Golden Knights. You can make your case here, whatever. Uh, and the whole story is about the fight, not about how good the Avalanche are. It's about is are the NHL policing this correctly, or it's somehow back to player of safety. And for me, that's just not as entertaining as, oh my god, the Avalanche might be one of the most skilled teams we've ever seen, or or rather, in the past 10 years, for sure. I mean, they rivaled the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think you'd agree with me with that on the skill and depth level. Yeah, and there are some people listening to this that are probably pulling their hair out and screaming at whatever device they listen to this on, saying, oh, but Ryan Graves injured someone earlier in the game Mm -hmm. with a hard hit. Yep, And... Any boarding penalty is going to be a borderline questionable hit. I, I, it, they all toe the line. But what that hit comes in the flow of play. And I, I think when there's injuries in the flow of play, they're unfortunate. You wish you'd never see them. You wish you'd never, they'd never happen. And it, but it is, to a certain level, part of the game. Whereas what happens in a scrum is no longer hockey. And I think that's a large reason why we were so displeased, upset, pissed off about what Tom Wilson did to Buchnevich and Panarin. And I think that's what makes what Ryan Reeves did so difficult. I'm not advocating that Ryan Reeves should have ran Graves over somehow in the flow of play. I'm not suggesting that at all. I just, eye for an eye bullshit just doesn't work for me anymore. I don't know if I've just gotten too old for it or... Whatever it is, I think you're I, supposed to like it more when you're older. I think that's how it's supposed to. I, I think so. I though, I, if I were if I were the Knights, you know, the best way to get even with the Avalanche is to send them home. And if you don't like what Ryan Graves is doing, well, send them home. I, I what happened in that scrum is not hockey. It's barely even cage fighting. I, I, I don't know what I don't know why people <laughs> would want to watch more of that. If you wanted to watch cage fighting, the UFC does it quite well, and they don't resort to dirty tactics on a sheet of ice in order to do it. Like the people, the people who love fighting in the NHL act like there aren't ways for you to quench that thirst in other avenues. Like Jake Paul fights some idiot every three weeks. I know. Really want it's it. ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind fighting. D- if you want to watch a dumb white guy throw fight, throw punches, just fight Jake or one of the Paul brothers is doing something. I promise. Yeah, they are. I don't mind the fighting and hockey, you know, the hard hits and all that stuff that that stuff never really bothers me. It's, it's this, this level of scrums uh, that, that really get to me. Uh, anyway, this kind of brings me to my next point. Uh, I hope that Drury and other teams take notice of the Avalanche and say, okay, maybe that grit and toughness is good, but what if we just accumulate the most amount of skill possible and then we could just blow people out of the water? And I, I know the Rangers are sort of doing that right now. That's sort of been the strategy over the past couple of years of obtaining, well, winning two lotteries really helps, I guess. And then you hope that Capococco and Lafreniere pan out to their maximum potential. And then you have the, the, the smaller skill players like Niels Lundqvist. But then they, they all of a sudden kind of change gears this year before the entire, uh, I guess, we'll get to this in a second, but there's been more firings and more let goes and more jobs changed. But then the entire organization changed. Then they changed to drafting like the Schneiders and they, they went to like the more grit, toughness, big, whichever. I don't know why this is such a hard concept to grasp, and maybe you can, or maybe other people can explain this to me too. Why wouldn't you just want to get the most good players? <laughs> what, what is, 
what is the deterrent against that? Is it a team like the Islanders who play this weird style that can beat you when you're just getting out physicaled? What I, I don't know what why that wouldn't be the model for everybody in the league. Or is everyone well, again, is the, part the of Islanders? The Islanders are a bad bad example too because again, I know we like to make fun of the Matt Martins, the Leo Komarovs, the mm-hmm. uh, the, the players of those ilk. But you look at that top nine, and there just isn't a weakness in that top nine. It there. There, there is an elite talent like there is with the Avalanche up and down the lineup. There's also not a weakness. Right. If, if the That's Islanders important. were just to run out nine forwards and there's six defensive pairings, they're good. Like, they don't have room for Travis Zajac. I'm not saying that Travis Zajac is a great player, but Travis Zajac is a b- above-average center right now at the tail end of his career that the New York Islanders acquired and now don't have room to play. And it, it, there are very few teams that would have that kind of luxury. The Islanders – are not the excuse for that. Just because Islanders play defensively sound hockey doesn't mean they're necessarily a gritty team. That is a supremely talented team that doesn't have a lot of holes to expose, which is why when they decide that they're just not going to allow you to score a goal, you usually don't score a goal. And we can't. We also can't really use the Avalanche as this example because, listen, the whole reason the Avalanche acquired Nazem Kadri was to try and avoid situations like that happened with Ryan Reeves. That's a good point. Can Kadri... Can Kadri play? Absolutely. He's a good hockey player that also, like Tom Wilson, can't control his outbursts, which is why he's not in this series because he tried to decapitate decapitate Justin Falk. So it's, would this have happened? Here's the, the problem is Ryan Reeves would have done what Ryan Reeves did, whether Kadri was playing or not, which is why I vehemently despise the notion of needing a deterrent. Ryan, Re- if, if Nazem Kadri played in last night's game, Ryan Reeves would have attempted to murder Ryan Graves. And then if he had the opportunity to take the ice later in that game, Nazem Kadri would have tried to take him out. But since Reeves gets thrown out of the game, what Kadri would have done is just decapitate someone else. And it would have been eye for an eye in that bullshit. That's why this shit doesn't work. All you're doing, it, it's, it's not making the series more fair if Ryan Reeves injures one person and then Nazem Kadri just gets to injure someone else. That's not fair. It's not fun. It's not entertaining. I wish GMs would just be like, here are the 12 best players we have. We're going to play them, and we're going to see if this works. It's just not how the NHL is wired. It's not how the NHL will ever be wired because the NHL, unlike any other league, seems to lean towards hiring, again, the same 45 guys for the same 32 jobs. So there aren't a whole lot of new opinions coming into this league, which means we're just kind of stuck in a vicious cycle and this shit's just going to keep on happening. And it's not fun for anybody. Agreed. All right, let's move on to just some quick Ranger hits from the the, the, the rare news drops in these last two weeks as it has been dead silent in this playoffs. Uh, Artemi Panarin got married at Bobrovsky's house. Congratulations, Artemi. He, uh, uh, Bobrovsky actually officiated the wedding. Very nice. Good friend. Cool. Mm. That's about Anything, it. Anything's possible in the state of Florida, except for Ryan taking just one single category from me. Oh, my God, I want to die. Uh uh, then uh, the other, yeah, I guess this is sort of big news. The Rangers just dis- dismissed Bobrov, who is the uh, director of European scouting. Got that? You know what the funny thing? The funny thing is, I think it is just Bobrov, and you tried to make it difficult. God damn it! Really? That's how you mispronounced it. Yeah, damn. yeah. I'm really good at this job. Uh, yeah, just like you are at fantasy baseball. Oh man. my god! And then it, I guess a part of that, I, you know, to me, this is just Chris Drury putting in all of his own people. Am yeah. I, there's nothing, there's nothing weird about this. I don't think this is a, a evaluation of what he did with either drafting Kako or Elias or Niels or anybody else he kind of missed on or hit on it. To me, it's just Drury's putting in his own people and he wants 
top control top to bottom. I don't think that's that weird at this point. No, and I, I know some people were upset about it. I, I think Bobrov was fine. I, I I can't necessarily say that he was better or worse than what other organizations have done in terms of finding talent in Europe. Um, I, I do I think if uh, if, if Bob Rob for sure should have been fired. No, but I have absolutely no problem with Chris Jury wanting to build his own front office. I understand that Jury's worked with just about everybody that was there before in various ways and roles. Yep. And Drury might have even had a say in whether some guys got promoted or some guys didn't, but when Gorton and Davidson were both in tow as well. But Bob Roth, from what I saw, is essentially one of Gorton's chosen ones. Um, He followed Gorton to the organization. He got promoted along with Gorton when um, Gorton became the GM. I have zero issue with Chris Drury deciding that, you know what, this is my show. I need to make these hires for myself. If all it's doing is putting more pressure on his shoulders, and I have no problem with Drury saying it's got to be run my way. It's got to be run with my people. And I want to go in a different direction. Cool. I I think some other team will pick up Bobrov if he wants to stay in hockey. I'm sure Bobrov will continue to be pretty pretty decent. Maybe not great. Maybe not bad. Somewhere in the middle. Uh, you could you could point out his deficiencies. You can point out his successes, and you'll just about come out even on both ends. Agreed. Yeah, doesn't really bother me. It is what it is. Guy, it's a new it's a new front office. It's a new it's a new set of eyes on the organization. I'm all for letting Chris Drury make whatever decision he wants to make. Right yeah, Chris Drury will be making the picks uh, for European prospects this year, along with input from scouts. You know, listen, props to Chris Drury. Just taking it into his own hands. It's going to be his team. It's going to have his uh, – it, it literally will be every single part of the team will have his fingerprints on it. And if you were excited to see what that could look like, well, get ready, because Chris Drury seems to be in control of literally everything and uh, will be the mastermind behind it. This entire strange and very uh, almost awkward summer at this point because I think there's so many options up in the air and we'll talk a couple of those with Jesse uh, and we we didn't even get to the Pittsburgh coaching uh, style but we'll get to the or rather uh, free agency or maybe the not free agency oh my god I'm so flustered by you and your existence that I <laughs> just sitting here mumbling my own words but what I mean is uh, actually obtaining the Pittsburgh coach. But in this case, I believe that Friedman over the weekend said that he would not be available and would be resigning with Pittsburgh. Am I correct in that? He's not even resigning. He's got three years left on his right, deal. Right. Pittsburgh would be, decided not to fire him. Right, they decided not to fire yeah. him. Thank you. I right. appreciate they, Yeah, the, the, the possibility of Mike Sullivan becoming the Rangers head coach went out the window just like it did you trying to win a category for me. Cool. Let's week. go to five-star yeah. questions. If you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our Patreon and leave our five-star question today we have actually one being typed as we go that's great swangard asks everyone seems to have lundquist ranked top among rangers deep prospects how does he compare to keandre and who will play better long term to me this is really they're two different games right lundquist is a power play specialist a offensive defenseman who is rather on the small side i believe he's like adam fox's height Adam Fox has proven uh, that that does not matter sometimes in the NHL. And if you have the skill, you can succeed at any level. But Keandre Miller, I, I think because of his reach, his speed, and his skating ability, uh, could be a better defensive player long-term. And that's what his job is, is to play defense. 
while Niels Lundqvist, uh, I, I do think Keandre will be the better player long term. I've been on record saying that Niels Lundqvist likely will never play a game for the New York Rangers, and I think he'll be traded this offseason after they get him signed, as Vince kind of talked about last week on our show. I'll take Keandre in the long term, but they don't really compare in, in many ways. Keandre like can run a power play. You've seen him run power play too, but it's not really his specialty. Where Niels can do that, and Keandre's more of like a, a shutdown defender or a poke check transition guy rather than Niels Lundqvist, who's just straight passing an offense and can play defense too. I just I kind of think he might get exposed a little bit in the NHL when he comes over. Well, it's not a. It, it, sometimes it's hard comparing defensemen because not a, we all think like. They're a defenseman, so they're the same, and we should be able to evaluate them similarly. But it, it, it's not really that cut and dry. And I, while I don't like making um, player comparisons very often, I'm going to make two player comparisons right now. It would be like, which which would you rather have? Would you rather have a Ryan McDonough or would you rather have a Quinn Hughes? Because it's it seems more like Niels Lundqvist will be a Quinn Hughes type where his best defensive play will be because he doesn't surrender the puck, whereas Keandre Miller is kind of a – that man can shut you down without having the puck on his stick and clear out his zone a little bit easier. Both, both are good. Both serve a purpose. Both are what teams want to build their defensive cords with. Which one is better? I mean, that, that's like in the eye of the beholder. I, I, I don't know. It depends on kind of how everything else is stacked up. What we've said on this podcast before, I, th- I think, still rings true. There's a whole lot of mo- there's a whole lot more similarities currently under contract to what Niels Lundqvist would bring the New York Rangers than there are to what Keandre Miller brings the New York Rangers. If you were to move a defenseman, it's a lot easier to move Niels Lundqvist because the things he's he excels at, the Rangers have plenty of other players under contract in their system that also excel at similar things. Whereas if you were to move Keandre Miller out given his handedness and the style in which he plays, I feel like Keandre Miller is a lot harder to replace if you're the New York Rangers. So Lundqvist to me is still the more tradable asset, which in this scenario may work out because there's also a chance that Lundqvist still has the higher ceiling. But listen, in order to improve, you have to give something up. And I've, I've always been fine with giving up Niels Lundqvist if it helps the New York Rangers significantly in another fashion. Agreed. Uh, this is for, this is for Matty Jack. I know we've been talking about this for what feels like an eternity, but the 21 season is the season where the Rangers make the push. Is that too premature with the amount of young defensemen vying for a spot combined with a lack of consistent lines throughout the previous season? I'm nervous that the line chemistry throughout isn't developed enough for a deep run. Just seems like there's still question marks throughout. Greg, I ask you to talk me off the ledge. (laughs) Well, what I'd rather do this week is make you, Ryan, jump off the ledge. That's too late. I, as soon as I post this podcast, right out my window. Not, <laughs> not even a question. Oh, man. I just – zero quality starts. I can't really get over that one. That, that's, that's, that's hard to do in our league, Ryan. I'm, there's a motorcycle right here. I'm going to ask it to take me. Come back. Come back. All right. Um. Does, it, does it make you feel better or worse that it was Evan Longoria who hit 450 this week? Worse, really especially because he used to be on my team. I dropped him this year. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Cool. I don't know where I'd be without him. Yes. Um, yeah, he also had like four home runs. Yeah, I know. Really I know, Greg. Yes, very yeah. aware of this. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. Okay, Matty Jack asked. <laughs> talk I, think Josh, I think like Josh Donaldson oh, also had like a 263 And then you OPS. traded him to the person I'm playing today, and he hit three <laughs> hits. You fuck. 
you terrible person. I promise people that are listening for the first time, this is not what the podcast is usually like. But this oh, is the I know. Uh, God, oh I God. really don't want to win, too. I'm I know! Lose. That's what the worst part is, Gregory! Uh, oh anyway, um, am, I worried, am I worried about line chemistry? No, not really. I think... I think we both make too big of a deal sometimes about line chemistry and sometimes I, I, I don't think, let me put it this way. I don't think it's hard to develop line chemistry. I, I would be shocked if a team needed a full year in order to get three guys on the same page. And I think it's also overstated. Zibanejad has perfectly good chemistry with multiple people on this team. Panarin has perfectly good chemistry with multiple people on this team. Kako found his footing playing with Panarin. and Lafreniere found his footing playing with Zibanejad. I, I, the key piece is that the Rangers will need in order to be a playoff team. They have chemistry together. I'm not worried about it. And the, defensively speaking, what more could you ask for from the top four? They all played well together. And those lines take another step this year. Yeah. And also the thing that I continue to harp quite loudly. And I, I feel like some, some people are hearing and some people are not the odds. The New York Rangers are playing two rookies on their bottom pairing this year minimum if this team again Dolan expects this team to make the playoffs which means this team will bring in a veteran defenseman that Chris Jury believes is reliable and can be counted on in terms of injury needing to move up the lineup and just being able to play with a rookie there will only be one rookie on the bottom pairing will it be Zach Jones will it be Niels Lundqvist will it be Braden Schneider we'll see but the fifth defenseman on this Ranger team is going to be someone that has pedigree in the National Hockey League, and you just hope that Chris Jury gets it right. But I, no, this, we've been saying it since the letter came out that the goal was the 2021 2022 season for the New York Rangers to not just make the playoffs, but make a deep push. It's why we didn't have really any expectations going into the COVID season, and it's why we had even less expectations going into the 2019 season. The, the Rangers, in our mind, are on track. This is exactly where they needed to be. This is going to be the offseason when all the money comes off the books. Uh, most of the buyout money is no longer a problem. And the Rangers clearly have deficiencies they need to upgrade. I will be more worried if the Rangers choose not to upgrade those deficiencies than I would ever be about whether I think certain players can play with certain players that are currently under contract. I, I, I think chemistry is a little bit overstated while still being super important. This is, what, this is why preseasons exist for guys to build chemistry. Yeah, I actually think the preseason thing, we'll get to that in in a long time, uh, I guess later in the summer, really, where I think the Rangers will experiment with a lot of different things in the preseason, including maybe shifting some positions around Phil Peedle to wing. Maybe they'll try Capococco or Lafreniere at center, see if that sticks for a couple games, or or not. Maybe they have someone else that they brought in. There's a lot that... Let's wait to develop develop those takes at this point in time. (laughs) But what? What's going on? Uh, Just, if it makes you feel any better, I'm currently beating... uh, Mike Rock, 11-0-1. I would hope. Please, one day. please stay that way. Uh, also, Matt, uh, thanks for asking the question, but the Rangers did play 13 one-goal games this year uh, and I think had the opportunity to really take a lot of those games that were ex- extremely close, and a new coaching and a new system might actually change that. All right, and this is from Nick I. Who is the player your opinion has uh, was drastically different from the most fans? I think for me, maybe for you too, Brandon Smith? Like, I think Brandon Smith is actually legitimate sometimes. I mean, he's a giveth, taketh, giveth and taketh away player. But I think he's a perfectly good third-pairing player, whether I think a lot of Ranger fans still think he was sort of AHL fodder. 
Uh, no, I'm I'm still not quite on the Brandon Smith bandwagon with you. I'll probably say, um, I think Colin Blackwell gets a little bit more heat than he deserves. I think he's that's a, a fact. Yeah, I I don't think anybody should hate Colin Blackwell, the hockey player. I think he's perfectly fine. I think the problem most people have is that, and I, I think I would agree with it as well, is that Colin Blackwell given the talent around him should never be asked to do the things that David Quinn was asking him to do last year. But I, I don't think any of that is Colin Blackwell's fault. And I don't think Colin Blackwell made the Rangers worse. So I would say it's Blackwell. Agreed. This is the last question from our Patreon listeners are, this is from Eric, given the rumblings around the league and the recent survey of questions from the Rangers sent to season ticket holders, do you expect there to be ads on jerseys next season? I'll say this. If there's not ads on jerseys next season, the season after, there will be. It's coming. They'll at least have one patch, I think, in the next three years. I, uh, was it in 31 Thoughts today? I think it was that the they still believe that the salary cap will not be raised till the 24-25 season because of the uh, money that they quote-unquote lost and still needs to be paid to the players. So the jersey ads are another just stream of revenue. You'll probably forget about them. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to be like pro ads here or whatever, but I, I don't even notice the helmet ads anymore. And I'm sure it's subliminal messaging and I, I use my chase card every day. I love chase. You know what I'm talking about, Greg, but at the same time, uh, are they our sponsor this week. What was that? No, are they are not. Unfortunately. No. They're not going to bail you out of me kicking your ass. in baseball. <laughs> so I don't know That's why they're all right. Yeah. I, I think they're coming. You, yeah, I'm sure you agree. Yeah. I, not only are they coming, I, I, again, I couldn't care less. I, I watch Premier League soccer and don't think twice about Yeah, they're all over Premier Sportsbet.io being across someone's chest. I just I don't care. Cool. It, it it doesn't impact my game at all. And with hockey, I, it, people get so worked up about ads being on jerseys. It's not going to replace the emblem across the front. It'll be a patch on a shoulder. Yeah, like, it'll be a patch. Shit. I'll it, I'll yeah. be fine with it. I'm not going to freak out, but I, I do I do imagine it's coming next season. They're going to look for any revenue. They can. All right, let's get to our guest of the day. We have Jesse Marshall of the Athletic, and we'll talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, I got one more, uh, oh, uh, one more five star question. Hit me, hit me, hit someone, me. someone DM'd it to me. Okay, okay. Um, will you have to change your fantasy baseball team name because yeah, I swear? I this. have to be honest with you. I seriously considered that this morning. I was like, I was think I was going through really sad names for like an hour. <laughs> it was, it was like my whole morning. The, the lake, the Lake Mead flaccid penises. That, that is your team name the rest of the season. Yeah, I. You know what? I'll do it. <laughs> the lake the lake the lake mead sits while he pees uh yep listen there's nothing wrong with sitting and peeing just gonna say that absolutely nothing wrong sure all right sure you should have to do it though oh uh, that's not i did not make this bet i'm not our dear friend that you made do this for like six months okay <laughs> i am not all right uh we're going to interview now okay we'll be right back transition hey we're joined with reoccurring guest jesse marshall he's a writer for the athletic covers the pittsburgh penguins jesse thank you so much for joining us uh I guess where do we start with this? What what's been the vibe around about around Pittsburgh and the and the uh, the organization of the, of the Penguins after uh, the happenings of the past couple of weeks? Um, I think it's just anger. It's just a lot of anger. I'm laughing when I say that because like I feel like I'm taking the brunt of it for some reason. I don't know. Um, yeah, people are mad, man, and they're mad. Like it's. I think this year is different because you know 2019. And even last year, 2020, I think they really kind of like got killed by a system, right? Like the Barry Trot style of play for the Islanders, um, you know, Montreal, you know, that Montreal team basically plays the same way uh, and they clog up the neutral zone, make life difficult on you, converging on the goalie, 
they kind of pack it in. And, uh, you know, in the past, I think it was just like the, the story was the Penguins just getting eaten alive by that system. And then, you know, this year, it's like they figure it out. They, they, they seem to really dominate the better of the five on five play. And then, you know, Tristan Jari just completely lays an egg. So I think it's, it's anger it directed at a lot of places, 99% of it at Tristan Jari. Um, a lot of it at Mike Sullivan, a lot of it at the top line. Um, you know, a lot of it at Chris Letang, who like I thought was brilliant in the series. So I think it's just, you know, people know that there's a limited amount of time left for this group, right? Like this isn't something that you're going to, you know, carry on into eternity. So I think seeing them lose like this has pretty much just jammed everybody up in a major way. Jesse, before we get into specific questions we have for you, some of which uh, Elliot Friedman so rudely answered before you could record this podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do want to, not to beat a dead horse, but I, I just, just for the people out there that are potentially on the fence about what happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins against New York Islanders, it is essentially Tristan Jari's fault, right? Like, I, it's, hard, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to say it was anybody else that did it besides Jari. I mean, that really is the case, right? Because, I mean, so let's, you can look at this just statistically and say that over the course of the six games in that series, right, like Tristan Jari allowed nine goals over what a league average performance would have given the Penguins. Nine in six games. I mean, that's, that's almost hard to do. So I, people point fingers, and they're like, well, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust were, were quiet. And they didn't have, you know, they didn't have uh, their best series. That's right. They didn't. And the things that happen that need to happen when Crosby gets quote unquote shut down happened. Jeff Carter scored 9,000 goals. The depth scoring was great. You'd Malkin come back and look phenomenal. The special, the power play wasn't awful. Like, you know, like, so all the things that you sort of have as your fail safes to back you up when the Crosby line, you know, inevitably dries up or they go, you know, through a stretch of not scoring, all those things took place. Um, but the goaltending it just never caught up. And when when you had a guy like, you know, Elias Sorokin on the other side was playing so well that Tristan Jari's margin for error was essentially zero, um, and he came in at minus nine. <laughs> so, yeah. I think there's been a lot of overanalyzation, you know. And, like, the, the end of the series, the Islanders went up big in game six. That, you know, Jari you know, got, got shelled again. And the, the final, you know, period to half that game was very reminiscent of 2019 and that the Islanders, you know, with a three-goal lead, they don't have to press, right? They could just sit back, shell up, and do their thing. So people kind of complained, you know, like, look at the Penguins going out with a whimper. And I was like, well, what do you want them to do? You know, they're down three goals, uh, not because they're playing poorly, and the Islanders, you know, they're not going to give you a sniff of anything in that scenario. So bad memories, I think, you know, kind of mixed in with this from the last two years that cloud, I think, people's judgment in how they're evaluating, you know, how you need to move forward here. For me, move forward by getting a new goalie, and then that's it. But you don't have to do anything else. You know? <laughs> that's, really, that's really the only ask, I think, right now. And I think if Casey DeSmith was healthy, um, you know, the, this, the Penguins are probably playing the Bruins right now. Yeah, that, guess, that brings me to my next question. Will Tristan Jari be on the team next year? I mean, he has two years left in his contract, uh, a 3.5 and then 4.5 uh, for signing bonuses here as I'm looking. His cap it is 3.5. And are, do you expect them to just kind of try and ride to Smith? Do you expect them to try and go out and get a goaltender? Do you expect trades to be happening? Because one 
one like Malkin. How many times has Malkin been rumored to be traded over the past forever? As soon as you've been covering Pittsburgh, I think every single year it's like every year. Every single year is like, will Malkin be finally traded? He's got one year left on his contract at this point in time. Uh, what do you expect this offseason to be like for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, I think I think we're still trying to figure out what Ron Hextall is all about, right? Because the only thing he's done since getting hired is trade for Jeff Carter, and that was great. You know, it worked out. Worked out. Finally. Yeah, so I mean, you kind of like I think you get the sense that on one hand, you know, he's not in a rush to you know make any drastic sweeping changes, um, which is kind of refreshing because you, you know Jim Rutherford is the kind of guy who would trade Carl Hagelin just for shits and gigs, right? Like, like he came on the media and was like, I felt like we needed a change, and I was like, all right, well, you just got a worse player. So how good of a change was it, you know? Uh, I don't get that sense from Ron Hextall, um, and he's a goalie, so I mean, you know nobody knows the position better than he does. Tristan Jari is still young. Um, I'm not convinced at this point he could be a starter. Uh, I think right, you know, that you go back here that All Star performance two years ago prior to coronavirus, and then it's just been on a downhill slope uh, ever since then, and hasn't rebounded at all. So Casey Dismiss proved to be pretty good this year. I think better than everybody expected, but he's not a starter. You can't get 65 games out of Casey Dismiss. You know, it's not going to happen. Uh, I think they've got to go out and find something. I think you probably see more of a committee look from the Penguins because the free agent crop of goalies kind of stinks. It's not very good. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be able to go out and address things via that route. So it's going to have to be through a little bit of creativity. Um, and I, I just, you know, they, they say all the right things about Tristan Jari, but you know, they're not going to come out and shell the guy and sink his career, right? So, you know, this thing's like, we want him here, we believe in him. We hear these things all the time. You know, we heard them about Jack Johnson for three years in Pittsburgh. So, we yeah. know that you have to take that stuff at face value. So, I don't know, but I, I think that it's uh, it's the number one thing on the docket for Ron Hextall right now is trying to figure out how to how to rebound from this and fix this position. Let's, let's focus in a little bit on potential Malkin rumors, though, because Ryan and I spent some time last week on our BSBOT talking – how the Penguins falling out of the playoffs may positively impact the Rangers. With Malkin, he's 34, $9.5 million. Penguins, not exactly a team brimming with salary cap space. They have holes that need to be filled. Could the Rangers specifically, if Jack Eichel doesn't happen, if all these other things doesn't happen, they have the pieces to make a Malkin trade, but how much hand-wringing would it have to actually take for the Penguins to move on from Malkin? I would honestly say that in order to do it and accomplishment, accomplish it interdivision, you'd have to involve a third party. I just don't envision a scenario where, you know, the Penguins, all things being equal, you know, let's say they had five offers on the table, uh, you know, two from the West and three from interdivision. They're probably looking elsewhere or interdivision prospectively, you know, asking for way more. Um, so I, I think you'd probably have to involve somebody else in it. Um, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, I've had a longstanding theory that I'll share with you about Evgeny Malkin, uh, you know, obviously trade aside and everything like that, but you know, this, this, this seems stupid, but follow along with me here. You know, in PPG paints arena, when the penguins come out for a game, Malkin steps on the ice last, right? He's not the captain, right? Sidney Crosby is. Uh, and there's always been like this joke between the two of them where Malkin says, I have more professional tenure over you. I played in the Super League for three years before I came to the NHL, which means, you know, like this conversation obviously dating back to the genesis of their time together. Uh, Malkin looked at Crosby one day and said, me, three years. 
Super League. And so I said, okay, I got to go out on that before him. So, like, I, I think that there's a competitive drive in Malkin to retire uh, a Penguin and to do so post Sidney Crosby. I think the drive for him is to outlast Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh and to play one more year here than he does. And that's just the nat- – that's, that's not the, – like, there's no dissent between the two of them, right? They, that's just the competitive drive that they have. And I don't think uh, – you know, I think for Sidney Crosby, he's put his entire life aside. You know, uh, we now know he has a girlfriend. This is like the big deal, right? And when you, this is the thousandth game ceremony. Yeah, like he brought her to the thousandth game ceremony. Um, so, like, that, you know, it's always been really private. And I think he's foregone a lot of things that normal people do to be Sidney Crosby, which has always led me to believe he's going to be the one that ends it first, you know, just to kind of get a head start. You know, Malkin already has children, has, has a child, he has a family. You know, they like Crosby shelved all that stuff. So, I don't think he'll get moved at all, not to burst your guys' bubble. Uh, but I, and I think that not only that, I think that I think he actually will play in Pittsburgh maybe a year longer than Sid does. The only thing, Jesse, you could say to burst Ryan's bubble is to remind him that he oh lost 12 nothing. Shut the hell up. <laughs> shut the hell up. Uh, so uh, can I read 12 nothing? No, I mean, that's like not to derail the show here, oh but it wasn't like it was close. No. Like, because it was like, does a week go Sunday to Sunday for you guys? Yeah, like, it's for, one week. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was it over by Wednesday? It was over was by like, like Tuesday. The, and the, by, by Friday night, the question was, was Ryan going to get a quality start to win one category? And then he did not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and uh, Jesse, this is how serious this, this this league is. We do a podcast for it for 10 people. That's how serious it is. It's yeah. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Anyway, well, that I, sounds like the next episode is about you, right? Uh, Greg has never listened to the show until this week and he'll be joining the show for the first time this week. Great. Uh, that's so strange, isn't it? It's so weird. Anywho, uh, I want to read too deep into your story than what you just said. So do you, you're, you're saying city Crosby will leave the penguins. Wow. <laughs> it's off season. Yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess what you're saying is he's going to try and re- outplay him through retirement. You, you don't see Sid ever really leaving Pittsburgh, do you? No, I think they'll both. I mean, I, you know, Latang, I think, is the one guy that really, like, kind of sticks out as the one that might not be able to pull it off. Because, you know, defensemen are, you know, still, you know, having a, a defenseman like a Latang is still a commodity. And I think if the Penguins are in the twilight uh, of the window closing down and, and could recoup assets for Latang, um, I think they might look into that. Um, but I don't. You know, I, I I get the sense that the goal would probably be to let all three try to finish it out here. Um, I think for sure for the forwards, that's going to be that. I think that opportunity is at least, if nothing else, going to be afforded to them in every way. So that brings us to Jake Gunsel, who I saw some Penguin fans try to throw under the bus, mostly thanks to your mentions. I wouldn't have seen it without you, Jesse. Um, is there any chance the Penguins try to move on from Gunsel this offseason? I hope not, man. Like this, I I have to be honest with you. When I woke up that the day after the series was over, that's not what I was expecting to see. Like that to me was shocking. And I, and Jake Gensel like didn't have the best series. He got absolutely rocked in game one. I mean, bone shatteringly rocked, and just didn't come back normal. So I'm waiting. You know, I'm sure we'll get some story about how he was dealing with some nagging thing or whatever. Uh, but I think fair is fair. Jake Gensel also said after the series, I got to get into the weight room, uh, which is an astute observation on his part. Cause I think there were times where uh, he got shoved around by Pollock and Pelican in the series. Um, 
you know, he doesn't, he's not a big guy. He's never going to be a big guy. His game is not big. You know, he's a, he's a 40 goal scorer kind of player, but I think in the role that Mike Sullivan has in him, what he's being asked to do, you know, when you play with Sidney Crosby, you have to win these puck battles, right? Like that's just a must. And uh, I don't think he did it with a high enough level of regularity. That being said, uh, production wise, you know, um, you know, my buddy Jay Fresh um, estimates Gensel's productivity at salary to be over $12 million. He's not getting paid back for the Penguins, not even close, uh, half it. And then that's what he gets salary at. So I, I just can't fathom, you know, to me, and, it, and it's just the last comment about this is that it is not easy to play with Sidney Crosby. We have seen so many players try it and fail. You had Chris Kunitz do it really well, Marion Hosa. Uh, Pascal Dupuis, amazingly enough. Uh, but the list is short, right? Like, it's not a long list. A lot of the players that were successful there were role players rather than, like, 40 goal scorers. So I think Jake Gensel is the best the best partnership for Sidney Crosby. Um, I, I, if I'm ranking wingers in the Crosby era, Gensel's number one for me. Wow. Uh, his, his production with Sid and the, the sort of the – Jake Gensel's dad is the coach at University of Nebraska, and like he's a coach's kid. Like Gensel just finds open space. You know, Sidney Crosby is notoriously difficult to play with. You know, Chris Kuntz talked a lot about that at the twilight of his time with him. You know, the, the, the feedback loop you get from Crosby on the bench is like nonstop. So it's just, I guess, all this is to say, guys, like players like that don't grow on trees. You know, you're not just going to walk out on the, in, in free agency and find a goal, forty goal scorer to play with Sidney Crosby. Uh, at least not at, you know, a hair over $6 million a year. So, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to the anger I was talking about. You know, the top line controlled, you know, 75% of the game when they were on the ice at even strengths, but they didn't score. So, you know, I, I think there's – if you're inclined to not really value data in hockey, you don't give a crap about that. The point for you is that they didn't score. Right. So that's where you hang your hat and that's where your argument is centered. You know, my argument is they controlled 75% of the game and got, you know, variants slapped across the face. Um, I, I can't blame Mike Sullivan for not blaming or breaking the line up when the line clicked at, you know, a 70 75% expected goal rate throughout the course of six games. So I just think that, you know, it's, I think people are looking for answers. And, you know, for me, one of those answers cannot be. Um, we got to get rid of Jake Gensel. So maybe you have heard this, but the Rangers have gone through a lot this year. Uh, maybe fired some people. Maybe they have a new president, NGM, and Chris Drury. And we were kind of hoping as Ranger fans that, or at least that that's been told to us, that the Rangers would wait deep into the playoffs to make their coaching higher. And I think part of that was because they were hoping some people would be let go. Friedman already said that Sullivan would be staying with the with the Penguins. What's the feeling with Sullivan? Right now, with the fans, are they are they throwing fire Sullivan over everywhere like they would for David Quinn at all times? What's what's the deal with him currently? I, I know he's, he still has three years left on his contract. Yeah, uh, people are at I think the end of their rope with him, um, which is frustrating for me to hear. Um, I had a lot of people in my mentions as soon as that game was over. You know, get get rid of him now. Um, I, I you know, so to be fair, right, like. 2019, they got swept out by the Islanders. 2020, and the bizarre coronavirus returned to play. They win one game against the Canadians. 
uh, and then they lose in six to the Islanders this year. So four wins over the course or three wins over the course of three years um, is not what the expectation is in the city of Pittsburgh. But what matters to me is, I mean, I mentioned to you guys when we first started discussing this, that the Penguins lost to a very distinct system two years in a row, right? And this year they ran into the same system and dominated the game of even strength. And I think you tangibly saw, and I've always said the strength of Mike Sullivan is his game change ability, like his ability to change things up on the fly. Um, dating back to when the Penguins won the back-to-back cups, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why they were able to accomplish it, uh, was his sort of lack of being a stick in the mud. And, you know, you guys in New York know, because I've seen some of the coaches you've had come through there. Yep. Uh, NHL coaches are really apt to pick a bad system that doesn't work for their team and then just r- stick with it, man. Like, it's not, it's not me, it's you. Like, you're not executing my beautiful system well enough, right? Um, Mike Sullivan's not really that kind of guy. Like, he's not like he's, – he's more of a let's look introspectively here and see if there's something we can change. And that's just so rare in the National Hockey League. And I wrote an article before the series started about how, you know, I went back and watched the eight games from the regular season. There were tangible things that Penguins are doing this year against the Islanders system that they just didn't do in 2019. And it was coaching. And I look, for me anyway, the the breakout was different. They they tinkered with a few things. And then after the series was over, everybody yelled at me, the same old result. And I'm like, yeah, they lost, but they lost because of Tristan Jari. You know, like again, you know, they said, well, well, no adjustments were made. And I'm like, but if you don't think adjustments were made, then like, I I don't know that we can have a conversation about adjustments because I'm not sure you know what you're looking for. I mean, it wasn't the same. It was totally different. And, And I think to have a coach that tries that is so rare in this league. Um, you know, everyone says to me, you know, fire Mike Sullivan and hire Gerard Gallant. Well, Gerard Gallant also got fired because his goaltender stunk. So you're, you know, you're, kind of, you're going, you're just bringing, you're getting rid of one guy because his goaltender stuck and hi, stunk and hiring a guy who got fired because his goaltender stunk. So I, uh, I'm glad he's coming back. I really am. I, I, you know, this is not an easy group of players to coach. You know, Michelle Tarion didn't last very long. Dan Biles had a hard time with it and he won a cup. Uh, Mike Johnston barely. I think he, I don't, I'm not even convinced. I think he was replaced by a Duke doppelganger after he was fired. I don't even think he was the same person anymore. I think he's still catatonic over his experience trying to coach these guys. So there's a staying power here, right? Like, I think Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the league. Um, I think if he were to become available uh, and noting the relationship that he has with some of those guys up there in New York, um, that'd be the first call they'd make. And you'd instantaneously be getting one of the best coaches, I mean, one of the best coaches out there um and i you know again it's it i think mike sullivan is a mix of very many good parts he took a bit of john tortorella with him when his attitude not like that he's john tortorella but he has a little bit of that truculence uh i think on the video side um he's responsible for the trend of ipads on benches like mike that was a mike sullivan thing a couple years ago so there's a lot of things about him that make him an asset I think he exhibited a lot of growth this year, but I understand. I even myself said that I, I don't think for game six, he could go back to Tristan Jari. And I think if there's a criticism to be made of Mike Sullivan, it's that he didn't change goalies, but his option was Max Legacy, who's played 19 games in the NHL with an 867 career save percentage. And I just get that sense that if he had gone to, to Legacy and Legacy had dropped, you know, seven in game six on an elimination night, he'd have gotten torched for that. So I don't, for me, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. If you play Legacy and he sucks, you're going to get killed for that. If you keep Jari in and he still sucks, you're going to get killed for that. 
Uh, and that's kind of the situation I think Mike Sullivan is in right now. Uh, and he hasn't sold anybody up the river. You know, all those comments about Tristan Jari is we don't lose the game because of one player. He kind of did. Uh, but he's saying all the right things. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm personally excited to see him say because this is not Ron Hextall's guy, right? And I thought maybe that would be the reason that you would see him leave was because Hextall's looking for his own, his own man in here. But, look, I mean, Sullivan's a Jack Adams candidate for a reason. The Penguins played 11 defensemen by Valentine's Day. Like, this was a team that was decimated for injury, and he saw them through the division title. So there's still something there. Um, I think the leash is probably a lot shorter going into the season, but I, I'm, I, I'm not expecting, um, you know, the Penguins to just tune him out and, um, you know, completely toss him to the wind next season either. Well, I don't know, Jesse. From where I'm sitting, it sounds like you want him fired and you want him coaching the New York Rangers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to read tea leaves here. <laughs> yep, same. When you guys reached out to me to come on the show and discuss it, I instantly – I kind of said to myself, like, wow, that really is my worst case scenario. Like, <laughs> not, like, Mike Sullivan getting fired and then the next day becoming head coach of the New York Rangers. Like, the narrative there is just unbelievable. We, like, uh, we want him more than every other coach option probably out there for us right now. I mean, Rod is still, you know, Rod's likely signing 99.9% back in Carolina. But if Rod comes available, I think all New York Ranger fans would like him the most. I think Mike Sullivan was number two for us. And, you know, there's Gallant and there's a lot of other kind of wild card options out there. But it's not like the Rangers are going to get something that's a wow factor. You know, think of what you will about Gallant. But there's there's not someone going to come in that's going to excite me or Greg. Maybe it'll excite some portions of the fan base. But we couldn't be really excited about anybody that they've interviewed or mentioned at all at this point. And Mike Sullivan is at least a name that brings a little bit of spark and to have Friedman ruin my Memorial day weekend, almost as much as Greg has uh, is, is really sad. But I hate him for that. Yeah. That's true. And, and look, I like to your point, guys, I think the word's good, right? Like I think he's, you know, you're not going to complain about having a guy like that in your organization, but you know, the difference is the Stanley cups, right? Like that, that's the difference. Um, and that's what, you know, sets Mike Sullivan apart. He is the ability to, to get it done in back to back, years in this era um you know that that versatility again is, is is the critical piece to it and i think that uh you know my hope is um you know on a more meta scale i guess that you know his adaptability and changeability sort of with staying power and with him staying in a head coaching role wherever it is you kind of hope that sort of becomes normalized around the league and you start to see more coaches be forced to think outside of the box and Maybe say like, hey, maybe it's not uh, my players. Maybe my system stinks. Yeah, it's with the Rangers coaching search. It's just from the start, it's been very clear that as an organization, they are prioritizing pedigree. So you, you, there. First of all, there are a lot of bad coaches that have Stanley Cup championships. Like Bob Hartley is going to continue to be mentioned about whether he's going to be the next Rangers head coach because he won a Stanley Cup with the Avalanche some twenty years ago. And (laughs) but his his name's on the cup, so he's a contender. Whereas a guy like Mike Sullivan, he is a legitimately good coach and is a legitimate reason for why those teams won the Cup. So if the Rangers were going to go down the pedigree road, we were hoping they would go with someone that, you know, is good. Uh, but yeah, the, the Penguins doing the smart thing. I, I, I'll, I'll turn this into a question. The Penguins doing a smart thing. I understand we keep saying the name Ron Hextall. The name we're not saying is Brian Burke. And that's why I thought there was an opportunity for the Penguins to do the dumb thing because Burke is a little bit more reactionary, I think is the friendly way to put it. Fair. Yeah. That's probably a good word for it. Reactionary. Um, 
I think here's kind of where we're at, right? Like now that the dust has settled and, and sort of like we've had time to digest this and see how things have played out, uh, I think the expectation in Pittsburgh was that Brian Burke was going to be some kind of major player in what the Pens were doing, and, um, you know, that, that he was going to be, you know, pulling the strings on Ron Hextall, and et cetera, et cetera. I think what we can definitively say now, guys, is that, like, no, the Penguins just really didn't have a hockey operations department. And when it comes to the, to what they had going on from a hockey ops perspective, they were basically in the dark ages. And I think that there was a lot of things that Jim Rutherford neglected uh, when it came to that specific aspect of the job that put the Penguins behind in a lot of ways. Um, I think what Brian Burke is here to do is solely focus on the administrative piece of that and build that hockey ops department. And when you can think about it from that perspective, guys, there's really probably not a lot of people that are better suited for that job. Like if you're coming in and saying that, like, I don't want you to do anything in terms of like touching player personnel and making trades or drafting anyone, just build us a nice hockey ops department. I'd hire Brian Burke for that in a minute. So he's been less, he's not been vocal at all, in fact. Um, I think we've probably heard from him twice. Uh, he did a segment on the Jumbotron about how to, um, you know, loosely and um, aggressively fix your tie, which was good. Uh, good, you know, I good. learned a lot from that. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's been, it's been a quiet time for him. And I think that's kind of just, uh, again, that's a fit for what the job is for him and what he's been asked to do, um, which is kind of, you know, I'll say it. Nobody else wants to say it. I'll say it. he's here to clean up Jim Rutherford's mess. And that's what he's doing, and I think so far, so good. This is kind of my final question for you, Jesse. Uh, if the Metro comes back next year, and I don't think we've heard anything, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the divisions will be realigned and maybe we'll return to the old Metro where uh, Buffalo and the Bruins go out and Carolina and CBJ comes back in, where do you see this Pittsburgh Penguins team contention window landing over the next couple of years? The Rangers, obviously, a team up and coming. The Capitals, who knows what will happen there. The Bruins will continue to be a, a very talented team. The Canes will come back, and you've obviously seen how strong they are. And uh, maybe New Jersey even takes a step forward, and maybe Jack Eichel's on the Rangers, and so Buffalo is garbage again, even more so. So who knows how that, how that plays out. Where do you see the, the Penguins kind of landing over the next couple of years in their contention window, and how many years of contention do you see them having left? Well, I think like going into this one, I thought that they would struggle – to hit that four like I thought that they would be a, a four five or a three mm-hmm. uh as far as where they finish in the division and they want it so I keep waiting for father time to come with a sweeping sort of like scythe and just cut everything down in Pittsburgh and it hasn't happened yet um and in bumps and bruises aside like Crosby and Malkin still sort of seem like ageless I think in terms of their production so uh, I think it's still good for probably, you know, I keep saying three to four years every year, but I'm just going to throw it out there again. I mean, that's probably, that's probably three is probably legitimate. I think as far as where they're at, I think it, you know, they've proven this is a good team. You know, Jeff Carter is coming back. They have some difficult decisions to make with regards to the expansion draft and who they're going to protect. Um, and that's going to be a, that's a whole, that's a whole other can of worms, but the, the basis is there for them to continue to be competitive. So um, you know, we know Columbus isn't exactly in the greatest position of all time. You know, I think the Islanders are going to continue to be competitive. Uh, we don't know what's going on in, in Philly. Um, but this, I mean, the division is going to continue to be a buzzsaw. And I think that, like, the acknowledgement in Pittsburgh is, is, is you know, a, a shift in looking towards, you know, you know, what the Rangers are doing, what New Jersey is doing, what's going on in Carolina, and saying, like, you know, I think 
winning the division, I think that's why winning the division, which is such a meaningless thing, was kind of cool for people in Pittsburgh this year because it was like, wait a minute, we didn't think this. <laughs> we were waiting for we've been we've been anticipating death, you know. Like, so, right, right. <laughs> you know, when that happens, it's kind of that change in fortune. So, I think for me, guys, it's still three to four years. Though I think that there's 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 in my opinion, there's some games coming up, you know, maybe a year or two from now uh, between the Penguins and Rangers. I think in the playoffs like the young core that the Rangers have versus like what the Penguins are aging out with. Like there's going to be some really fun, um, fun times there. I think uh, uh, before it's all said and done. Could agree with you. Uh, Jesse, if, if, if you had to guess what the one big swing this off season, the Penguins will make, what is it? And is it a trade for Spencer Knight? <laughs> I, I, I think that they're going to trade a defenseman. Um, I think it's probably going to be Marcus Pedersen who, proved to be like super serviceable this year uh albeit not flashy but you know there's there's a lot of teams out there who can use a player of his ilk uh and i think it's probably going to be goaltending is going to be the thing that they're going to be after uh pierre olivier joseph the young defenseman that we got a like brief taste of this year is ready to kind of like get in and make his full debut and there's just not enough room on that blue line right now so I think uh, Ronnie Hextall is going to get working on trying to bring another goalie in. Um, I mean, you know, I think there's just an ongoing desire to fortify depth. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Father Time, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but PPG Paints Arena is built across, directly across the street from where Mellon Arena was. But before it, that, you know, the arena existed, it was built on the site of the old St. Francis Hospital. Um, in fact, the locker room, according to my research, is, is built directly over where the old crematorium was. Cool. So when you think about man games lost and you see the Penguins at the top of the list every year, I'm trying to get somebody in there with Sage or have like an exorcism done or something. Nobody's buying it. The team's been wholly unresponsive to my request. I can't <laughs> imagine why. Holy, <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's, oh, that's good word. Very right nice. There. Good. That was good. Great job, Jesse. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're trying to, you know, I think, I think they got to bolster the depth just given the fact that they constantly walk out of, or walk into the playoffs on three legs. Or three legs my God. Um, on one leg every year. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, you were not wrong. Like, <laughs> so, so the, peg, the yeah, Penguins are signing Lundquist. I get it. it. That makes yeah. perfect mm-hmm. sense. Oh, that's a nightmare. Somebody asked me that the other day. Um, I feel like that's going to be a hot question of the summer. It's like, who, and then he signs nowhere. But I feel like every like all summer long, people are going to speculate where he's going to go, and then ultimately he doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, so I hope you guys are ready for that. Yeah, we're we're ready for it. I think the Rangers, Ranger, and Ranger fans will kind of clamor for that. Also, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I have a feeling he won't sign somewhere, just because. Listen, the guy was on the ice six weeks after an open heart surgery. He clearly wants to play. The doctors have talked about you know his blood and not being able to return to play and we'll see how the health turns out i'm sure if he is, is able and is cleared to play he will be on a team someone will take a take a, a shot at him uh playing in the nhl again he's henrik lundquist why wouldn't they uh i just hope yeah. it's the rangers if that's the case but we'll see i we have no idea well and i was just thinking about a question you had earlier too and i'm i just want to let you guys know any any deal for new york starts with combo Kako, so yeah okay all right anyway it was great seeing you jesse <laughs> Uh, even though this was an audio medium, anything you want to plug before you get the hell out of my face? <laughs> uh, no, I'm taking a summer off. That's great. It. Great. Thanks, Jesse. You can follow Jesse on the athletic.com. He's a writer there. Jesse, you're the best. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate thanks buddy. It.
Hey, I just want to thank Jesse for coming on the podcast. Really cannot appreciate him enough. Uh, but we will also be thanking all of our Patreon subscribers for obviously supporting the show. So if your name is Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Ben Waters, Brian Doyle, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, CJ Stellwagen, uh, David Naranen, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Eric Stagg, George Obrinsky, JD, Jimmy Mack, Chris from Florida, Kyle Franklin, Lazek Gronkonski, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Pavel Kadriev. Uh, he's going to kill me one day. He really is. Uh, Ryan, St- Stephen Lomayar, Stig Bull from also Norway, St- Swingard, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, the legendary Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts here at Blue Shirts Breakaway. The summer of New York Rangers is starting in a couple weeks. The lottery will be coming. There will be a lot that will be happening. We'll be covering it every single week here on Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back later this week on BSBOT on our Patreon. We love you all. Bye.